Blog Talk Radio. That's what it was. Boy, I took this yeah. new phone I have, man. 
it is so sensitive, my hand can hover over it in certain sections, uh-huh. and it'll automatically send it to mute. I apologize about that. Oh, no worries, no worries. You got to sense the phone, rough trust pants. It's all good. Uh, yes. <laughs> Walk around here with those shirts, uh, shirts buttoned and all kind of stuff. <laughs> And for those of you young 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 cats who don't know about Ralph Tresvant, A shame on you. B Google. <laughs> oh, you too. You'd be glad you did. Uh, but let's get into it, bruh. You know what? I, I will go into all the nooks and crannies of the NFL combine, all the measurables, the top four top five quarterbacks in particular. But I'm one of these guys who thinks the combine is a big ass waste of time. I mean, all it is is a meat market. All it is is dudes checking out other dudes to see if they measure up to their standards <laughs> instead of just watching the damn tape. I mean, I'm serious. It just it infuriates me every year that these guys, these quote-unquote experts, Mel Kuyper and um, Tom Mache among them, giving their own two since having four or five to 50, 11 uh, mock drafts. I mean, it, and they're rarely right anyway. So I don't know why people pay attention to to, uh, to those guys. But to me, if I was a general manager, sure, I'll, I'll go to the combine. Sure, I'll, I'll, I'll interview the players, which is a, what it's really about. It really is good for you to get a feel for the players up close and personal. But to me, seeing cats run a 40-yard dash and, and the agility drills and shorts and T-shirts is a hell of a lot different than watching them on film. Okay, True. we've seen so many quote-unquote workout warriors who who saw their draft, draft stock elevate other than become flat-out bust in, in the NFL. I mean, there's several examples of that. And oh yes, you know now now I mean that now 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 don't get me wrong, it's room for great stories like uh, Shaquem Griffin out of UCF, uh, University of Central Florida, who who who, mm-hmm. who, who has just one hand, and he's been, I mean, he's, he's been a great story at the combine, caught the fastest 40 of a linebacker ever, and bench pressed 225, several, like over 20 times, I think, with the help of a prosthetic arm, which is, again, which is awesome. But at the same time, it shouldn't surprise folks that he bought that, – that he was that great of an athlete he put up those, those many measurables because he balled out in college. I mean, mm-hmm. hell, anyone who's seen him this year on ES play on ESPN, in particular in in the uh, Peach Bowl against Auburn, where he really bought out, um, that should tell you enough right there about him. I mean, the only thing I heard Shannon Sharp and someone else say this: the only thing the combine is really good for is about that what you see on tape. Now, if you now uh, if you see cats, you know, like again, the workout warriors. He trains specifically for the 40, improving the 40 time and agility time and whatnot. And the uh, mm-hmm. measurables like long jumps and, and broad, I mean, I guess the high jump. I mean, that that artificially inflates their status. And that's so where so many general managers get in trouble year after year after year instead of just watching the damn tape. I mean, a good example of that is, 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 is uh, Darius Haywood Bay, where he was drafted, uh, yes. you know, like with Oakland, drafted him very high, higher than he should have drafted. Be drafted, drafted like because he posted great measurables at the combine, and you know even though he's had a decent career with, uh, with my Steelers, he he was a bust in Oakland. 
<laughs> he was a one-trip pony in Oakland. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's just my – I mean, I've just been waiting to get this off my chest for a long-ass time. I mean, <laughs> again, it's every year. I always have trouble with two things. The little the ESPN televised in the Little League World Series, making money off, off of those kids, and the NFL Combine. And I just don't see the point of out of the bulk, and, and I just don't understand why people, dudes who get paid to make football decisions, do not focus on what they see on tape. And I, I just for the life of me, I just do not understand that. Well, I'll tell you this, Scott, and, and it's interesting, right? Because you do hear a lot of double talk as it pertains to the NFL Combine. You know, you have those who are are believers in right. it. You have those that completely hate it. And then you have those yeah. that say that basically the combine um, is basically a, 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 a tool that's used to confirm what you've seen on tape. But yeah. you do have instances, especially with small college guys, where a lot of people yeah, don't necessarily completely believe the tape. So they'll yeah. have the tape. They see the tape. But say stuff like, oh, this against small college competition. You know, they don't sure. necessarily get an opportunity to play a full schedule against big boys. But I see they may have had a day against a big boy a team. Or I should say FBS school, not just big boy. But right. I see they may have had a game against the FBS school. But is that enough for me to go ahead and take a chance in drafting this guy? then you see them in, in, in their athletic measurables at a combine, then it may spark your interest a little bit more. It's just saying, you know what, this dude who is potentially an undrafted guy, maybe I should take a look at him a little bit more. Maybe I should go to his pro day. Maybe I should review his tape right. one more time. And just maybe, if all of those things line up, maybe I should take a chance on, on, on drafting him. Now, you're right. Guys that are first-round, second-round, potentially third-round picks, what you see on tape is what you see on tape. And a lot of those guys right. don't necessarily even work out at the, at the NFL Combine with the exception of those who probably want to move their, their draft stack stock a little bit higher or to cement right. their draft stock of where well, they currently are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, not not just them. You have, like, a guy like a um, – uh, 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 God, I keep mispronouncing this dude's first name. Shaquan Barkley. Shaquan is his first name, correct? Right. Yeah. So you have a guy right. like a Shaquan Barkley who is guaranteed, well, not guaranteed, but at least a top five pick. He comes out there, he does what he does, and he just about submits himself as being a, a, a top three pick overall now, most definitely. Right. Then you have He's a guy like a, a – Exactly. You know, that, that, that 40 was nice and, and all of his other measurables were nice. But at the same time, if you saw his tape this past season, you would already know that he was probably the best back in college football this year. Case in point, and this mm-hmm. is my favorite case in point because, of course, he is one of my own. He is an Aggie, and that would be Tariq Cohen. Mm. Fantastic yes. tape. Not a good point. Five foot six guy. A lot of people questioned his height. A lot of people questioned his size. And also questioned his ability against competition in the FCS football, which he dominated his last three years at A&T. 
He gets out to the right. combine, runs a, a respectable four, four seven forty, I think it is, and, and and you know he showed that he has big hands for guys his size. So the one thing a lot of people wanted to see was, you know, would he be capable of doing special teams? And I guess they must have saw things with his speed, his agility, and the tape. And it made the Bears do something that a lot of people didn't think would happen. A lot of people had him slated for being either a fifth round pick to being an undrafted free agent. Bears took him in the, in the fourth round. Yeah. So that that that's one of those things where combines and and, and pro days and a lot of these uh, bowl games, even smaller, uh, not 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 the bowl games, but the All Star games. That's where. If, if, if you want to just boost up what, you, what people or scouts have seen on tape, pick that opportunity. But, yeah, a lot of these bigger guys, that's all that's for for them is just to go ahead and potentially move them up another spot or two. But it, 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 it's not necessarily something that's going to push you over if you're a big-name guy. It, it really helps out the small and the, and the little school guys more than anything else. But, yeah, like you said, uh, um, Griffin, for those who missed him all season long, the very first time I got a shame chance to see you. Griffin, and shame on you, mm-hmm. and shame on me. Shame on me. Yeah. I guess I was more focused on, I guess, the outcome of the Central Florida-Auburn game than I was about watching individual players in that game. But Griffin stood out to me while watching the practices for the Senior Bowl. Day mm-hmm. one, once again, he goes up against Brandon Parker of North Carolina A&T. And people are thinking, oh, my God, Brandon Parker might be a bust because this Griffin kid from UCF killing him. Then I start seeing more tape of Griffin. No, Griffin's killing everybody. And I'm like, dude, who is this, this, this one-hand dude that is just destroying people on these offensive tackles on the edge like this? I'm going to keep my eye on this cat. And sure enough, he comes up, has a huge uh, 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 combine, and yes, for those that saw both of those and, and missed out on his play, it boosted his stock. And now there are people talking about him being a potential second or third round pick where he was coming in at somewhere maybe a fifth round. Right. Right, because, of his, 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 because he was seen to be smallish for a linebacker. Yes. And uh-huh. I think he's like, what, six? One or two, six one and two thirty, which is kind of light for a linebacker. He probably would have played inside. But uh-huh. you know, I remember I saw him in, in addition to the Auburn game. I saw him play against Memphis in the American Conference Championship game. American Athletic yeah. Conference, Conference Championship game, which is a damn good football league, by the way, and basketball league for that matter. More on the basketball part later. But um, I also saw him play early in the season uh, against South Florida. As well, that was a national televised game at ESPN. Mm-hmm. No matter what, I mean, all three games I see him, I, I still that where I saw him play, he jumped out of the screen every single time. His athleticism, his drive, his motor—I mean, it's just inspiring to watch a dude with one hand make all those plays. Yeah. I mean, just—I mean, balling out. And against Auburn, that was his coming out. That was. That was his coming up part. I think he had an interception. He had a few tackles. I think he had a couple of sacks. I mean, mm-hmm. this is against an Auburn team that was rolling, and they yeah. came from behind and beat them. So, I mean, the thing is, is that 
that I mean, in in his case, again, it, it goes back to what Shannon Sharp said. It just validates what they saw on tape. Mm-hmm. That's and he's not a workout warrior. It validated his his huge measurables at the combine. Just validated what they saw on tape about uh, Griffin. So yeah. Griffin's a baller. They just confirmed that. And to your point about uh, about Tariq, I mean, it really obviously really did help him. Because I was thinking, was Tariq a third round pick or a fourth round pick? That was a third round pick. It was a fourth round. Fourth round, okay, fourth round pick. Well, fully mm-hmm. for Chicago. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, that was a great pick for Chicago. I mean, we, we've seen any Bears games uh, this year. Um, but you know, another example, which you know, and I agree with you about the small schools. I totally agree with you on that. That's actually that's who needs it the needs it the most, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I think back to Marcellus Wiley's story. I mean, he comes from Columbia, right? And he ended up being a second-round pick because he had such a great combine. But, again, his combine validated what they saw on tape. I mean, for those of you who don't, don't remember Marcellus Wiley in college, I mean, he went to the Ivy, he was, went to the Ivy League school, but he balled out yes. at Columbia. He set all sorts of defensive records, and he ended up being a second-round pick. And suffice to say, he wasn't a bust. He had a long, a great, a, a, a very good career in the NFL. Mm-hmm. He's doing his thing on Sports Nation. Um, but uh, and, and 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 I think I I don't remember if this particular young man went to the combine or not. But Javon Hargrave out of South yes, Carolina State was, last year. Scott, get out of my head. I was just about to say that. <laughs> and 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 yes, he had a fantastic. Uh, 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 day at the combine. Um, it wasn't last yeah, year; yeah. it was the year before. The year and be- year before, right? He was one of those guys, you know. Once again, small college guy from South Carolina State. Not a lot of people saw mm-hmm. a lot of tape on him, but those that did, like him, especially. Oh my God, Mike Mayock was swooning over Hargrave the entire day. He kept Ooh. talking about his performance <laughs> against Clemson. He said. He stood out. Being the one guy on that D-line at South Carolina State going up against the, the caliber of O-line of, of Clemson his senior year and the way that he was capable of standing out and being dominant was impressive. And everything about him, his measurables, and, and some of the things that he did doing the athletic drills stood out. Take that along with the combination of Mayock's praise and then it made people look back at his tape. The Steelers went ahead and took a chance, and if I remember correctly, he was a third-round pick. Man, third I was pick, yep. uh, third round. At, at the fact that the Steelers did that because I wanted him to come to my skin because, of course, we've also <laughs> played at 3-4. But when I saw right. that he went to Pittsburgh, I said, they done done it again. They done done it again. He, turned out and, he, he had a decent rookie year. He had a decent he year. Did. He had at least, I think, a couple of sacks and yes. the playing time that he had. And but people, people forget. And, and I'm glad you, I'm glad that you mentioned the Clemson game. I totally forgot about the Clemson game. Dude had 36 sacks. Mm-hmm. 36 sacks over his career. That's nine sacks a year, folks. <laughs> that's nine <laughs> sacks a year. I mean, that's that. I mean, I don't care what level you're playing on. Nine sacks a year in college. It's nine sacks a year. <laughs> you know, I mean, and, and coupled that with what he did against Clemson, 
that was again. That's that's where the value of the combine comes through. You know, it helps the young, it helps the small school guys, but again, it validates what they see on tape, and it validated yeah, everything about Javon Hargrove. Yes. It, it confirmed everything about uh, Terry Corn, and it's and it's pretty much damn well validated everything they saw with uh, they've seen so far with with Shaquem Griffin. Now, mm-hmm. I, I, again, I would put, I, would, I would put more stock in the in the pro days. But you know that's when they're more comfortable now in in in, in their own uh, environment. But they still get yeah. to interview the coaches, look at more tape, and see them up close and personal doing what they do best as players. But I'm just saying, all it circles <laughs> back to watching what they see on tape instead of focusing on these workout words. It's, it's, if it validates what you see on what they see on tape, good. God bless them. More power to them. Just don't fall in love with the workout warriors. That's 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 what annoys the hell out of me. But um, this is is another thing that I want to harp on right quick. Is he talks about the top five quarterbacks? Mm-hmm. Now, to me, there's no standout among the five because he, all five of these cats, like Bro Josh Rosen, Sam Donald, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. And Baker Mayfield, they have their warts. Every last one of them have their warts, um, and every one of them have to have huge upsides as well. I'm I'm really bothered by Mel, what Mel Kiper said about Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. This is why. Okay. They 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 like people like a, like a uh, I'm lost my train of thought. Kiper harps on Lamar Jackson's accuracy or lack thereof, which which I understand. That's that's fair. And he has some games where Jackson he had some games where he turned over the ball quite a bit. But the, the but the brother is he, he's electrified. His last year was better than his Heisman year. Yeah. I mean he, he he did better last year than he did during his Heisman year. And the thing is is that he did it with little to no help. Last year especially. Um, you know, as far as the skill positions. I mean, not to say that he had scrubs around him, but they weren't exactly – I mean, the year before last, he had more help. Mm-hmm. A lot of those receivers got drafted, and, they, and he plays the pro-style system. And he, more and more importantly, he played in the ACC. Yes. And, 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 you know, for what we've seen in the past four or five years, the ACC is no longer trapped up in college football. It's, it's one of the best in college football now. So he has the competition going along with that. But when he's a young man, he's working hard, he's trying to achieve his dream. I'm not mad at him. It's mm-hmm. just that when 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 asked about Josh Allen's lack of stats playing in a weaker conference in the Mountain West, I mean he didn't he didn't even win a damn division title. <laughs> he knows four years if I'm not mistaken. You know what Mel Kiper's Jr.'s response was? What's that? And I'm quoting him. Stats are for losers. End quote. That, that, that's what I have you can't have it both ways, Melly. Maybe he really can't, Mel. Fan, that's why he thinks that way, but <laughs> that's not a <laughs> hit on there. But to, but to me, look, I understand Josh Allen had a had a very good combine. He had a great senior day. I mean, not senior day, but senior bowl, excuse me, from black from what I understand. Mm-hmm. But, again, you have to see what's on tape about this guy. Sure, he looks the part. He's 6'5", built like a truck, okay? 
He has a great arm. But you got to see, you got to, you got to juxtapose it. You got to match that up with what you see on tape. You got to reconcile it. If you can't reconcile it, again, you're going to run into. I mean, it's kind of like when Jay Cutler came out. Like remember, came came out of Vanderbilt, and he didn't win jack shit in Vanderbilt. I mean, he yeah. had an okay career, but I mean, he didn't exactly like the world on fire his first few years in the league either. So, again. This goes back to the combine. What I don't like is pe- people fall, fall in love with the measurables in T-shirts and shorts. Put the damn tape on. Just ask yourself, why didn't Josh Allen win more at Wyoming in a week of conference and didn't even get to a damn champion, conference championship game? Ask yourself why that's the case. There's probably a reason for that. So, Again, that that's just I just had to get that off my chest, but it, it just vexed me that they're that they're really going after Lamar Jackson. And and again, which some of it is fair, but a lot of it's not fair. It's particularly a lot of it's not fair at all. He's switching pushes uh, position. So which I think is laughable. But yeah, man, a lot of these guys I'm not gonna call any names in terms of negative reviewers when it comes to sure. uh some of these analysts that that, that, that review uh, these players, the college players, as they uh, go through uh, college and get ready to become pro prospects. But I would say my overall favorite is Mike Mayock. He's the one that seems to get it closer than anyone else in, in terms of player evaluation. But it seems for the most part a lot of people like to pick and choose which element of evaluation uh, is best for what player they want to talk about. You know, some guys you want to talk about tape. Other guys you just want to completely ignore tape and look at what they did mm-hmm. in drills and all-star games and, 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 um, and pro days. Other guys, oh, my God, they didn't play nobody, so you can't look at their tape. But look at their uh, – I don't want to even look at their comment. It's, it's, it's so crazy. Case in point, you know, another guy who you probably won't hear about, probably won't even get picked up, unfortunately – because he had a great college career, great tape, and and, and also played well in in uh, the that was he he was in the NFL uh, Players Association Collegiate Bowl, another one of the All Star games. But he wasn't invited to the combine. Mm-hmm. He'll probably end up at the University of Maryland's pro day. It's Anthony Fillion out of Howard, running back, had a nice day at the NFL PA uh, Collegiate Bowl actually led both teams in rushing and actually scored a touchdown. Actually had one of the better days statistically in that game. But people will mm-hmm. say, uh, it's an all-star game. You can't look at it. But yet we can do that for Josh Allen? That's kind of shaky to me, especially for a guy in Allen who only completed about – who completed less than 60% of his passes his last year at Wyoming. Now that's yeah. a situation you can blame on his, his receivers – but some of that's on him, too, even though people are raving about his accuracy, but I've heard things about his inability to be consistent with the short ball. So I don't know which one you want to look at. Thankfully, I'm not an NFL GM, and I don't have to take that chance. But it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with Allen because there's some people who felt iffy about uh, Rosen. And then, of course, like you said, with, with Lamar Jackson, the treatment that Lamar Jackson has been receiving over the past couple of weeks has been insane. 
they've been doing whatever they could mm-hmm. to down talk this brother and, and, and attempt to potentially hurt his draft stock. Even though there's still some people who believe he may be a late first round pick for someone. I just want the best for this dude because he's had a phenomenal collegiate career and I believe that he can be an NFL QB if, if within the right system. I, I, and I'm, I'm hoping right. that he doesn't end up on a team. And I'm going to go ahead and say it. I hope he doesn't end up on a bad team. So I, I, I'm hoping he doesn't get drafted, you know, in the top five and ends up on a bad team and, 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 and put in a situation where it potentially has to be all on him because it's going to be extremely stressful for him. If he can be in a situation where he can go ahead be on a good team, develop a little bit more, and then get his opportunity, fantastic for, for Jackson. Yeah. I don't want to see this dude on the likes of the Browns or the likes of whoever else is NFL trash at this moment. And I don't want to see him. I don't want to see him with the Jets. I don't want to see him here in D.C. because I don't even know if we're necessarily stable enough for him to come here and play. So I, I just want the best for that dude, man, and, and, and go on and succeed. Because they try their best with him, man, I swear. Well, they have uh, – I, I see – I noticed that one website, they had, like I think it was Yahoo Sports, they had him projected uh, to be drafted by the Cardinals, which is, would not mm. be a bad spot. Not uh, at all. Now, now, the Cardinals have a new head coach, Steve Wilkes, who's former defensive coordinator of the Panthers. Uh, but they have the best – one of the best GMs in business. Uh, who's also a Wolfpack grad, by the way. And uh, <laughs> well, I forget his name, of course. Um, but they, they still have good pieces offensively around them as well, like Larry Fitzgerald, um, you know, and, and, and hopefully Josh Johnson will be back healthy at the running back position. Um, he needs to be – Lamar Jackson needs to be an assistant, a situation where similar to what happened with, uh, with, with the Sean Watson. Now, the shot last year was headed to me, coming going to the draft head and shoulders above the other quarterbacks. I still can't, for the life of me, believe that the Browns, not only did the Browns pass up on him, but the Bears traded up to draft, wait for it, Mitchell Trubisky, mm-hmm. who couldn't even beat out Marquise Williams at Carolina. No. He only started when Marquise Williams graduated. So, uh, that, I mean, they're the Bears, so who, who who the hell knows? But my point is, is that when when when, uh, when Sean Watson, when I got when when like when I noticed that uh, the Texans traded up to the I think the eleventh spot to grab Watson, I'm like, oh, there he is. Uh, that's a that's a that's a great because they have weapons in Houston, offensively yeah. and defensively. So mm-hmm. he didn't have to do everything. And before he got hurt, which was so heartbreaking, he was balling out. <laughs> he was balling out. And hopefully if he comes back healthy, if his knees come back healthy and stronger, he should be able to keep balling out. So Houston got the quarterback of the future. But this yes. is going to show you that, that a guy like Watson ended up in the right situation where they're not too bad, but they do have talent around them. To help us to see. That's what Jackson needs. That's what hell. That's what all these quarterbacks need. Let's just, just let's just be real about it. I will say this. I will say this. I do my. I, as far as a favorite quarterback, it was again all five of these guys, at least the top five, have their fair share of warts. 
But mm-hmm. if my money, if I, if my money depended on it, I, I, I would go with Mayfield. Again, seeing what happened on the field, the dude's mm-hmm. a winner. He works hard. I know he's brash. I know people think he's Johnny Mizell 2.0 in terms of his off-field shenanigans. But this is here's a big difference. His coaches at, at at Oklahoma swear that Mayfield is the first in the building, the last one out. He works very hard. His teammates love him and respect him. And that's the big difference, whereas John Menzel, no one would accuse John Menzel at Texas A&M as being the hardest worker. Okay? No, no one would accuse him of that. So that's where Baker makes that, like, like uh, Baker has a big advantage on that, is that not only does he work hard, but the dude's a winner. He won the Heisman Trophy, as did Menzel, but, um, but, 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 but the, under Mayfield's leadership, Oklahoma dominated the, the, the Big 12. Mm-hmm. And it, they were a choke job away of beating Georgia in, in, yes. in the Rose Bowl. So, you know, that, and I, and cause, because I would have loved to see Baker Mayfield go up against Alabama. Um, mm. I still think he would have given Alabama fits. I said it then, I'll still say it to this day. But I think the man, the young man, makes feel no matter where he goes, he's going to give it 110% to do well. Um, so, again, he, he looks the best on tape as far as college. His, his uh, collegiate tape, he looks by far the best on tape out of the five. I would rank them, hell, personally, I, I, would, I, would, I would rank them like this. Mayfield, based upon what I saw on tape now, Mayfield, mm-hmm. Rosen, Jackson, Donald, and Allen. That's how I rank those five. Because mm. Donald, he has all the physical tools, but he's a turnover machine. He had 22 turnovers last year. Uh, Rosen, people question his leadership of intangibles. A lot of people said it. Not a lot, you know, a lot of his teammates were on the street was they didn't really like him all that much. But I like the way he called out the NCAA, or, 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 like uh, over their uh, hypocrisy of student athletes and, and the kind of treatment of him, the conversation. I, I did like like that a lot about him. And I remember, like, I read somewhere on Twitter that Mike, the infamous Mike Lombardi. Question, question Rosen's ability, saying, this is a quote, is he a QB or a humanitarian? Wow. What the hell does that have to do with anything? That's just so stupid. I mean, wow. why tell, why let J.J. Watt be humanitarian? Why let, um, hell, why, why even have a uh, Walter Payton Man of the Year award? That's given to the best humanitarian. <laughs> That's just so. That's why Mike Mike Lombardi doesn't have a job in the NFL. He just stupid says stupid crap like that. It just it just amazed me. And by the way, speaking of TJ, uh, uh, TJ, but JJ Watt, he had a great crap. Like he had a great clap back on Mike Lombardi's quote. I I I, I actually retweeted on Twitter earlier today, but it's just it's just crazy. I mean, basically he said, if I'm memory serves me correctly, I'm not looking at it now. He says. This is why it's, it was stupid to say, quote, shut up and dribble, which I love that statement. <laughs> yes. Um, in reference to Laura Ingram. I love that statement. Basically, you know, athletes are much bigger than a sport. We, they use they their are. platforms for the greater good. That's what J.J. Watt did. 
when Hurricane mm-hmm. Irma hit level to Houston. That's what Drew Brees has been doing for so long. That's what Larry Fitzgerald's mm-hmm. been doing. That's what Anquan Bolden's been doing. That's why, again, that's why they had the Man of the Year Award in the NFL. Man after Walter Payton, another, another great humanitarian for the humanitarian acts and their good works. So I, I, I just don't get it. That's why this, this part of the time of year when, when quote-unquote NFL experts say the most stupid the most stupid, the, the stupidest crap I ever, I ever heard. That's, that's why I, I put my ears in because that's how stupid shit comes out of people's mouths. <laughs> so that's that's how a great a great five top five QBs headed to the draft. So would you take Mayfield at number one? Would you go with Donald? Would you go with Rosen? Are you falling in love with Allen as the latest flavor of the month? You, you know what? First? I am I am not one of these guys. You know, I, I, I think I've never said it on the show before. I am not one of these guys. If I was a GM, that would draft for potential. Because of the so mm-hmm. because of the fact that you only have, especially in the NFL, four years, you know, to have these guys in this rookie deal. And it's a possibility that after that fourth year, regardless of what happens, that they'll come back. So do you go ahead and do you draft for talent or do you go ahead and draft for potential? I've always said draft for talent because you don't have four years to wait. Four years comes and goes rather quickly. And God forbid an injury comes in there. It just shortens that time. Now, I like to take your top five and basically switch two and three and have Lamar Jackson as my mm. number two. And then I will probably oh, wow. say, based upon what you said, God, um, I almost don't want to do it and put Josh Allen forth. Don't do it. But Matt, Reconsider. <laughs> I, I, man, but that, that, that tape of his regular season – really has me scratching my head, man, regardless of how well he's looked in the combine and at, at the senior bowl. And I just find it funny, man, all the things that, that all the, the, the big things that Allen has done during the combine. Oh my God, he can throw the ball 90 yards from his knees. Dude, when are you ever going to need to do that in the NFL? Never. Mm-hmm. He's talking about his arm strength. There have been tons of QBs with arm strength that have failed in the league. You know what I'm saying? We can sit here and just have a great conversation right. about QBs with great arm strength. Ryan Leaf, Ryan Leaf, uh, 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 Jamarcus Russell. Um, God, man, the list just goes on and on. But I'm not going to sit here and just talk about, you know, guys with arm strength. Arm strength isn't what wins you games. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. uh, combine isn't what wins you games. It's, it's your ability to lead a team and your ability to make plays. And those two things for Josh Allen is something I didn't see for him out of Wyoming. Now, of course, you can always talk about the talent that he had around him and the defense that he had uh, on that squad as well. I understand all of that comes into play. But you is what you is, bro. Right. And and, and, and I wasn't right. highly impressed. You just happen to have the physical uh, attributes to be an NFL QB. I don't know if you have what it takes to lead a team and who, if anyone takes – if 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 Cleveland, uh, the Giants, or who has the number number three pick in, in in the draft this year? Number three pick? I can't even remember. Ah, shit. I want to see the Jets. Let me just pull it up right quick. Uh, All right. Shucks. Hold on. Hold on, bro. Okay, I'm about to pull it up. I'm on ESPN. It might be the Jets because I know the first two are 
Cleveland and the, and, and the Giants, respectively. Um, yes. Taking a long time to pull up here because my computer sucks. Um, uh, oh, damn it. PN. Okay, draft. Okay, draft rounds. But at any rate, while, while we're talking, I, I think it's actually it's the Colts. The Colts. The Colts. The so Colts have possible? third pick. Yeah, so if the, the if the Browns or the Colts or even the the, the, the Giants want to take a chance and, and draft this dude, man, I hope you surround him with talent, and, and I hope you have somebody else in that clubhouse that could that could be a leader because I I haven't seen it from 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 Allen, and that's just from my perspective. But at the same time, one, I haven't watched a lot of Wyoming games, and two, I'm just not an NFL scout, so I I don't I I can't you know, be trusted, but to some degree, I, I just can tell you what I mm-hmm. think, and, and I, I, I haven't seen it. I, I hope someone um, – those three teams most definitely don't have a lot of leeway for experimentation because it's like Cleveland's been an experiment for almost the past 20 years, and yeah, exactly. an experiment that just hasn't been working. <laughs> Why did so, it come back? Why did it come I'm back? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, I, I got to say about tradition wide, but that's just a waste of space, man. No, it, it's 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 like why? I mean, everyone's slump busted. I want to see them succeed, man, but it, it just for whatever reason, man, it just doesn't work out, man. I, once again, another thing, I would I would like to see them do better, but man, just uh, I hope this front office and, and, and Hugh Jackson, man, is taking notes, and 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 and, and um, I'm glad that they'll probably end up getting away from that money ball thing. End up trying something different, man, because yeah, that didn't that work either. So, joke. yeah, yeah. Well, I, mean, I, I get the attempt. Just hard work I, works. Hard work does work, yeah. You know, and, and not passing up on, on great talent also works too. Yeah, please don't. Yeah, passing up on on, on Watson and Carson Wentz, the rights to draft Carson Wentz the year before, that ain't exactly helped. But, no. you know what, hey. All things are possible. It, it, the mm-hmm. sun shines on the gas like every now and again. So uh, <laughs> it's bound to happen. Um, but I'll say this. Uh, let's just close on this with the, as far as the NFL combine is concerned. Because we spent a whole lot of time on it. Um, would you draft? This is the age of this is the question of the draft. Would you draft a running back at number one? Seeing how Saquon Barkley is doing right now. As far as his it's his his his, his, uh, his outstanding performance at the combine, coupled with what we see on tape. Would you draft a running back number one, particularly this guy Man. number one? See, that's where the interesting dynamic comes in, right? And this is what I said about the Cowboys a couple of years ago when they took Ezekiel Elliott. When I kind of scoffed at it at first, but yeah. he ended up well, moving me wrong because he, he did something that um, the other running backs at, at Dallas couldn't do. Because the things that people kept screaming about with Dallas, oh, my God, they need to have ball control. They need to be able to run the ball, blah, blah, blah. Wrong. Wrong. Those who were familiar with Dallas <laughs> knew that Dallas could run the ball already and that they had great ball control in, in time of possession. Their problem was their inability to score. That's where Ezekiel Ezekiel Elliott shines, where Darian McFadden and and the other backs before him did not. That's where that change comes in. Now, 
the Cleveland Browns already had a talented running back, and Duke Johnson is not a slouch either. So running back isn't mm-hmm. necessarily the problem. Now, I don't know if they'll be able to keep those guys. I, I, I think I, I think uh, Isaiah Crowell may be on his way out the door. And I, I can't remember whether or not if Duke Johnson is a free agent or not. My thing is, if Barkley can come in and be a guy that scores, if you think that he can be a, a huge scoring threat for your team, then yes, you go ahead and take him number one overall. But the thing is this. It's also been shown that you can draft a guy in the third round, fourth round, fifth round, sixth round, seventh round, undrafted free agent, or even trade for a slightly older guy and bring him in and still work out. You don't necessarily always have to draft a guy, in the, uh, a running back especially, in the first and second rounds in order to have a quality guy. I mean, the, 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 the league is littered with guys that either were late-round draft picks or undrafted uh, draft picks that have come Tom through Brady. a quality ball. round draft pick. Right. So that, so, Tom Brady, six-round draft pick. Exactly. <laughs> no, not, not just Tom Brady, but I mean at, at the running back spot. You know, you got uh, – oh, uh, what's your boy's yeah. name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. LeGarrette Blunt, uh, undrafted yeah, free agent. drafted. Um, yep. um, um, DeMarco Murray, I think he was a late-round draft pick. Uh, there, there's yep. several late-round draft picks that have led teams in rushing over the past couple of seasons. So you can do that if your team is quality. It's just whether or not right. you think that that guy will take you over the hump in a particular spot or not. And if you think that, that, that Barkley is that guy, then do it. I don't know if I would do it. It's not part of of, of 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 my makeup to do that, but I'm always thinking I could draft a guy second, third round that could probably do the same thing. But if you're sold in that right. dude, do it. Right. See, here's the thing. I first of all, sure Saquon checks all the boxes. He's fast. He's explosive. Mm-hmm. If you look back, if you again watch the tape, right? That's a common thing. That's the theme of this of, of the combine, the show. Watch the tape. He he carried more than twenty. He carried the ball more than twenty times, only maybe once or twice this year. And mm. he's not. So what you tell us, me, he may or may not work out as a primary bell cow. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Whereas you know Ezekiel he carries several times in college per only. Like like a per like per week in college, Saquon didn't really do that. And you know, remember the games where the, his big games against top notch uh, like uh, competition, Ohio State. I think he only had 44 yards of rushing when he carried the ball more than 20 times. I mean, mm-hmm. he had that electric kickoff return for a touchdown, but he he had only 44 yards of rushing in that game. And so, again. Does that I mean? Does that mean he won't tra- it won't translate to the highest level? I don't know that. But if anything, again, if you watch the tape, you notice I think he's more Reggie Bush like than he is Leonard Fournette. If that makes sense. Mm. Like Leonard Fournette it. carried the ball several times at LSU. But remember, Reggie Bush carried it maybe no more than twenty times uh, most of, like most of his career at SC. 
it was Lindell White that got most of the carries. I mean, they split carries. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, I'm not saying that Saquon is a bust. But plus, you can't really trust Penn State running backs. I mean, Kajana Carter That's... was by far the most talented one of the bunch. And look what exactly. happened. Curtis Venus, exactly. I think, was another one. So, uh-huh. you know, again, the, the, the best the – only, the only uh, two – I can think of two – Penn State, former Penn State running backs who made a who made a big time in the NFL were Franco Harris and Kurt Warner in Seattle. Those are the two that yeah. come to my head. Um, but look, this is not to wish ill will obviously on Saquon Barkley. I'm just saying I'd be hesitant as hell to take him at number one. Now, again, I don't think he last passed those past past Indianapolis at, at number three. And if that's the case, fine. Cleveland needs a whole lot of help. They got the first and yes, fourth picks of the draft, and they need to show up. They need to get some weapons. They need to get some Peruna weapons. They already have a decent offensive line, very good offensive line. They got a good front seven on defense. They just mm-hmm. need to get some weapons offensively. And please, for the love of God, Cleveland, do not pass up on another quarterback. <laughs> just don't <laughs> do it. Okay, you've done it twice in a row. Look how that's worked out for you. Just, 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 just get a damn quarterback. That's that's all I ask. That's all I ask. Um, shifting gears from the combine to to college basketball. It's that time of year, my man. This March Madness, Conference Tournament yeah, is in the full swing, man. Everyone and their mamas on the bubble. You got Syracuse on the bubble right now. Notre Dame's trying to work their way off the bubble with a big win over Virginia Tech tonight. Um, Louisville may have punched their ticket with a win over Florida State. Uh, mm-hmm. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State's playing right now. It was a, it was a game that's much more needed by uh, by Oklahoma State uh, and whatnot. And uh, looks like Arizona State may be crashing and burning before our very eyes. Oh, and Oklahoma State did win, so they might be on the right side of the bubble now. Um, oh, wow. But I, 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 I say all that to say this, man. So many teams in the bubble, I mean – it's just parodies at an all-time high. I mean, you got, like, top 10 teams, like, like or top 15, top 10 teams, like Carolina, who lost nine games. I mean, mm-hmm. they, had a great, they have a great schedule, but they lost nine games. UVA lost, I think, twice, which I think, no matter what happens to them in the, in the ACC tournament, they'll probably be the number one overall seed. And they have Xavier yeah. – and Villanova out of out of the Big East, both of those squads are nice. I've seen mm-hmm. them play many times here in Cincinnati. They they're the real deal. Villanova is really the real deal. They're probably better than they were when they won the when they won the chip two years ago. So let me mm. just ask you this, man. Just put a, if you were to put a bow on well not not well not put a bow, but if you were to put a bow on the, yeah put a bow in the regular season and project ahead. Who you think is the team to beat in college basketball? Who would that be? Wow. The team to beat in college basketball. Man, yeah. you know, we, we, we kind of talked about this a couple of weeks ago about exactly that in, in terms of uh, 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 there isn't necessarily a top team in college basketball yeah. right now, but there are a bunch of great teams, just not one elite team. Um, even, a bunch, even amongst that, that, that greatness, 
the, the most consistent, and I said it before, is, is UVA. Um, they've been capable of playing these tight games, these tightly contested games where they, they, they keep you close and, and they play great defense and, you know, they, 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 they win these games that way. If they can go ahead and not let that style of, of play beat them, which has done and which has happened to them in the past, because they, they've had right. the same quality before. That's Michael Bennett. That's the head coach down in Virginia, right? Uh, uh, Tony Bennett. Tony Bennett. Tony Bennett. I'm sorry. I, I know it was a Bennett. Yeah. Um, I know that that's just not a play, and it's been successful for him his entire time down at UVA. Um, yeah. God, it, 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 I, I just I, I like them, and like you said, I like Xavier and Villanova as well. But we know that those guys can't be beaten. And and it just depends upon what happens uh, uh, bracket-wise. But if I had to right. go ahead and put money on it right now, I would go ahead and put yes, money sir. on UVA as, as the favorite to win it all right now. See, as much as I want to pick UVA, I've seen them play many times this year. It's a mm-hmm. problem when they don't score. Sure, they keep you from it's- scoring. But they, uh-huh. man, when they go through them droughts where they can't score, woo-wee, it's a problematic Yeah, I mean, we saw it against West Virginia when they beat them mm-hmm. down. Well, they didn't really beat them down. They beat them by a little over the upper ditches. And it was, was like like when they beat UVA and, and, and Morganton, in Morgantown, rather, and when when Vitek, Virginia Tech beat them. Virginia Tech beat them, yeah. When Vitek beat them, they, UVA could not hit the broad side of a barn with their eyes wide open. They were terrible from the field. That's why Virginia Tech beat them. And they, and even then, they had to go to overtime to do it. Mm-hmm. That speaks to either how strong UVA is, but just when they go on the on a scoring drop, man, oh, it, it's terrible. <laughs> it's something terrible to watch. That's why, for that reason, I'm going with with, with Villanova. They 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 got some. It, it's all about guard play this time of year, and Villanova has some great guards. They, they, the, the Wildcats have some great guards, man, and and plus, it's no, I there's no real weakness. There's, I mean, it's a, one of the few teams that you can, that I could honestly say do not have a glaring weakness. Hell, the Dominators, they, they, I mean, they own Xavier. For for those who follow the Big East the past few seasons, Xavier's been consistently good, but they've been owned by Villanova. As a matter of fact, Villanova stumped them twice this year. And they stopped for the third time to be in the in, in the uh, Big East final, but and that's not necessarily the clown Xavier. Again, Xavier is good. They're ready to the top yes. five for a reason. I'm just saying, Villanova owns those 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 cats. They they own the Musketeers, and again, Villanova's guard play is. I mean, it's second to none. They got the best guard. They're probably the best backcourt all basketball college basketball. And the coach by one of the best and Jay Wright. Him in his tight tailored suits. <laughs> <laughs> Dressed like uh, like a mobster. But um yo, I that's why my money is on going over. I'd be shocked, shocked if Villanova does not make the final four. I'd be totally, mm. totally shocked if they don't make it. So we'll see. I mean the the conference tournament starts Start tonight, like Big East. I think Villanova plays uh, tomorrow night in the quarterfinals. Okay. 
So I'll be keeping an eye out on them and Xavier as as well. Um, Most definitely. Speaking of college, speaking of college tournaments, I think you went to the CIAA. Is that correct? I did not, but I will be at the MIAC on Saturday. Oh, that's the MIAC. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's the no problem. Okay. Yeah. So, so what are you look, look so what are you looking for in the MIAC tournament? What are you, like what are you, what are you looking to happen? Because I think it's starting well, already. Yes, it has. Um, it's it's going as, as we speak. Uh, I was I was actually watching uh, Bethune Cookman and Morgan State uh, before um, I called you. It was it, it, the tournament is actually going rather chalk, uh, well rather chalky, if you will, with the exception of Florida A and M beating okay. uh, Howard, and and that was an eight nine matchup. But um, okay, you know that that's still a nine. Uh, uh, a nine seated, ninth seated team that has like I think uh, seven total wins. So it's, it's one of those situations where you got that. But you know this is a, 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 a situation, man. We all know, especially those that are familiar with the MEAC, anybody can win that conference, man. It's it's or anyone can win that tournament. But it's 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 been four teams all year long that have looked great in Bethune Cookman, Hampton, which is the number one seed, and T. And the other team is Savannah State. So I'm expecting okay. the top four teams to make it into the, the final four of that tournament. Um, I would love to see my Aggies move on and, and win it all, um, especially after the season that they had last year where, where they had one of the worst records, if not the worst record, in college basketball with only two wins total. And uh, Actually, I'm sorry, three wins with, and only one of them being a Division One win. Um, to, to turn it around from that to winning the conference would be fantastic. But the thing that I would mm-hmm. like to see out of the, the, the pettiness in me, I would love to see the number one seeded Hampton uh, Pirates win it all as their big FU to the conference <laughs> as they end up leaving the conference. <laughs> you know, with all the, the stuff that's world going on between... What's that? It's the Middle Finger World Tour, as I call it. Final Tour. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, and and not just that, it'll be to do it in the city in which the conference headquarters is held in, in Norfolk. So, yeah, I would love to, to if, it's, if it's not AFT in the finals, I would love to see Hampton win it all, especially with all of this turmoil between them and the conference, man, to take the trophy. It's, I like to call it the CM Punk. I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a win it, I'm going to win your championship, and then I'm just going to go ahead and, and walk out. And as I leave, Come together like butt cheeks. I would. Oh my god, that's gonna be. That's what I'm gonna call it if it happens. Is 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 your boy from from the Chappelle Show, man? It's, it's it's gonna be hilarious for me at least. But I know it's gonna be a lot of fodder, man. If, if that happens, if, if Hampton wins it all. But like I said before, I'm hoping for my Aggies to do it as the number four seed because they have the ability to do it, and they have beaten Hampton earlier this year and because they, they have Hampton as their, their next matchup if they win I, I think it's uh, later on tonight if they win tonight and Hampton mm-hmm. wins their game against Sam they both move on to play each other um, but if it doesn't happen then um, God knows I'm, I'm praying for pettiness I'm praying for pettiness <laughs> we love we crave pettiness here in, on the clown hour we 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 crave uh, yes. it. And, and petty is just a, it's a spice of life. I mean, it's it's just it's just great. It's just great to be petty. 
Uh, speaking of black pettiness and black on black crime, so to speak, we're going to close the show on a movie that's captivated our community and and pretty much all fans of of of, of, of the Marvel cinematic universe. That's Black Panther. Now, I saw like I noticed you on Facebook. <laughs> you gave a review that many people may or may not like. All that. Stuff. But let me just give you mine first, right quick, before I get the floor mm-hmm. to you, sir. Um, I saw it twice. I saw mm-hmm. it like the opening weekend. We took our son because we was kind of an easy at first. It being a PG thirteen movie, how it was mm-hmm. gonna be with an eight year old. But you know, we read some. Like my wife read some of the blogs and the reviews from some parents. There's a family site that said it was okay for a child to, t- to uh, take a, a child to see. So we did it. I'm glad we did. Mm-hmm. He enjoyed it. He was literally on the edge of his seat watching it mm-hmm. while, he, while, he, while eating his popcorn. He asked a lot of questions. God bless him. He's asking a lot of questions. <laughs> questions to me. I'm like, well, hold on. I'm like, hold on, son. I mean, I'm trying to watch it myself. He's asking questions. Like, who's the bad guy? Who's, who's Black Panther? Why are they going to Black Panther? Who is Claw? I mean, it's stuff like that. Nah. He's been reading some books about some superheroes yeah. and villains in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, as well as as well as DC Comics. So he has mm. a good uh, view, idea of who the villains are and the heroes. For some reason, he's infatuated with Scarlet Witch, but that's another podcast from another day. But <laughs> uh, at any rate, he he really liked it. So the second time was when we visited my, my parents the week after, and mm-hmm. my parents were wanting to see the movie. So we're like, you know what? We love it so much. Why was y'all just going there? So I, so I took my parents and my, my, you know, my wife, and my son went with us for a second, to see it the second time. My parents, really the same, loved it, and and everything else. And so I still loved it. I caught some things that I, I kind of missed from the first for seeing the first time around. You know, like when you watch them like a couple times, you start to notice different things or miss different things. Um, but yeah. So basically, I like the way. I like the way it started out the comment. It kind of gave 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 life to the commentary of Africans versus African Americans in terms mm-hmm. of like relatability, you know, because uh, T'Challa and them viewed Killmonger as an outsider, even though he was of royal blood, and even mm-hmm. though Killmonger was also T'Challa's first cousin. But being that T'Challa, I'm sorry, being that Killmonger was born in America. In Oakland, of all places, <laughs> his his father, who was who who was the prince at the time, knew that he would be, not be welcome there because he's not quote unquote one of them, even though he's of royal blood. If that makes sense, and that's kind of how I think Africans view African Americans. We're yeah. like skin folk, but not kin folk. You know what I'm saying? And I remember to this day, on my grandfather, my mom's side, he was. He was Jamaican. You know, he's now deceased. Rest in peace, grand, granddad. But um, he looked down on African Americans in terms of like the ones who were in poverty and such. He just, mm-hmm. for the life of him, never could never reconcile why some blacks were, in his words, lazy. He called us lazy to the point mm. where my brother and I were looking at him like, well, seriously, dude. But I mean, he's. He's he's our granddad. We love him again. Rest in peace, granddad. But that was that was that was one of many things, and that was with West Indians. And some of my West Indian relatives viewed us the same way. 
because they because all West Indians know at least at least at least those Jamaicans they know about working hard. They they just assume that we don't work hard for those who fall mm-hmm. through the cracks and don't understand what institutional racism in this country is and stuff like that. But again, this ties in. I thought the, the movie did a good job of. Of of, of 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 focusing on the Africans versus African American uh, uh, struggle, if you will, the in 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 and the non relatability between the two groups. But I know you're going to go to a different angle, so I'm going to sit down and I'm going to give the floor to you because I I got to hear this again. I mean, Facebook was one thing, but I want to hear what you have to say on here, brother. <laughs> no, I just, I just actually thought that it was interesting that that, that was the angle that you put out because um, I just found it um, also interesting that for whatever reason, a lot of people didn't necessarily. Well, from from my perspective, and let me go ahead and say this first. Yeah. You know, you you read my post on Facebook, and it was one right. I would say that was done. During a moment in which I was filled with uh, uh, not necessarily anger, but angst because of a bunch of other things that was going on outside of Black Panther, but at the same time could be tied in with the excitement of it. And I would like to thank my friend Monica. She's an Aggie. She's also uh, an NC State alum. Uh, She went ahead. She, She. Kind of hit my reset button because you know a lot of a lot of my angst was was kind of scatterbrained, if you will, you know, and, and she right. kind of focused me with with the conversation that we had immediately after I made that post, and and basically it, it was it was based my my angst it is was not directed towards the movie itself, directed towards the excitement that came up about to because of the movie. Now don't get me wrong, there are a lot of things that I understand. And I am a huge supporter of. Now, I understand the whole thing of being able to see positive imagery of those that look like us. I'm not against that at right. all. I am completely mm-hmm. a proponent of that. Right? But my thing was, there were people who praised Black Panther, and for whatever reason, it was completely ignored that other black superhero movies or, or black superhero movie leads even existed. Now, it, to me, how you feel about those characters is how you feel about those characters, and I'll digress on that, but they were still black superhero movies, and they were leads, and they were something that black kids could look up to, like Meteor Man. Regardless of what you feel about Robert Townsend, it's still a, a black superhero character yeah. lead. And, and I understand it, it, it's not as a, a serious of a tone as, as Black Panther, but he still was, once again, I, I like to call them a mutant, if you will, because just like Black Panther in a sense, because they, they both harness mm-hmm. powers of a meteor and, and, and use that to, to fight crime, or, 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 or in the case of Meteor Man, fight against drug dealers within D.C. But, you know, being yeah. it was a little campy, and it was Robert Townsend and, and Bill Cosby and all that stuff, it, it, it's not taken that seriously. I get it. Same thing with Steel, another black superhero, Superman dies, people get inspired to want to take Superman's place and be these vigilantes. Once again, it turns out to be Kathy because of who's in it with Superman, not Superman, I'm sorry, with Shaquille O'Neal 
and Ray J, maybe not the best combination in the world, maybe not going to be the most serious <laughs> movie in the world. I digress on that, too. I'll give you that. But once again, it's a black superhero movie. But I understand, once again, the cultural aspect of, of African Americans and, and longing for that feeling of, of wanting to be home, and I refer to home as, as, as Africa, or in this case, Wakanda, which is still part of Africa. I understand that. I get right. that you want that, that, that cultural embracement with, with what you feel as though is yours. But my whole thing was, just like you stated earlier, Condoms wouldn't necessarily, is everybody talking about let's go back to Wakanda? We can't necessarily go because technically we are outsiders. But I understand you want to go ahead right. and feel that excitement and everything. That's that's fantastic. But, but, you know, once again, there was a lot of energy and, 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 and excitement built up with this. And, and, and so much so that we saw it multiple times. I saw it twice myself. Matter of fact, I saw it twice in back to back days. Took my dukes to go see it the day after I saw it the day before, and you know with all of everyone going to see it multiple times with all the money that Disney has made from this film, um, there have been a lot of people saying things like maybe Disney needs to give back to the community twenty five percent of what is earned because you know we we came out in droves to go see this movie. My thing is this: yes, we did. That's not Disney's responsibility. You want money to go back to the community? You give money back to the community. How hard is that? Why does money have to go to the community through another another conduit? That's insane. I don't I don't necessarily need Disney to do that. That's not their place. You want black communities to do better, and and and, and you want programs to do better. Dude, you're a part of that program, or you're a part of that community. Give money to it. Give your time to it. Volunteer. Do that. Take that energy and excitement that you have about Wakanda forever and, 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 and take a piece of it and put it back into those institutions and those entities that need it. That's, that, that's one of the things that was bothering me, especially when that request went out to Disney to say, y'all need to go ahead and give back 25% because, or give back some because of what we've given to you. No, nah, bro, just go ahead and take your part and give it to the community. And, and, and like that's said, the age-old to... argument. Uh-huh. That's, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, dude, but that's the that's no, your point. To your point, I agree with you, brother. That's that's the age-old thing. We, I, I just wish, and people are going to hate me for this, but I don't. I I run to so many dams to give. Mm-hmm. I, I just, it just annoys me when I hear people say, "Well, Disney and whoever need to give money back to the community too, because we support your movie, blah blah." blah. It starts with N. I mean, there's a reason why Jewish folks do well. There's a reason why Asians do well in their own community. There's a reason why some Latinos do well in their communities. It, we we re- they reinvest. Mm-hmm. And if we hell, I mean, and, and I'm not trying to build up too too much on the topic, but the election and because I hate politics, but the election of Roy Moore, you know. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. The, like, I guess the other guy, the senator in Alabama, I think that uh-huh. was Roy Moore that lost. Was the name of the guy who lost? But so yes, many blacks showed up and voted, and that let us know how much power we have as a voting block, and economic block as well. And we took advantage of that. Okay, that's an, again, that's another 
that's another podcast for another time. But I do agree with your sentiments there. But I'll say this. Another thing about Black Panther was really how they portray black women. Powerful. Mm-hmm. Yes. Powerful, powerful, powerful. The whole army, the Royal Guard was were number black women and they were strong. Mm-hmm. That has these strong and the way they, they they portrayed Angela Bassett, who, I mean I have a crush on Angela Bassett by the way, but that's not hit or there. But as elegant as a queen and as well as Princess Shuri as the smartest person perhaps in the world. Perhaps even smarter than Tony Stark. Um, mm-hmm. of all that technology that they have thanks to the vibranium and everything. But I, I but overall I think we both agree on the fact that a super major superhero movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe portrayed people were black folks in a very, very positive light. No, mm-hmm. there was no uh, uh, um, stereotypical gangsters or drug dealers. These were got people of royalty, a superhero of royalty with superhuman abilities. Especially that fight scene at the casino where he leapt off the leaped off the floor and onto the uh, uh, second, uh, like uh, like uh, up, up up to the balcony to confront Ulysses Claw. I mean, it's hmm. and, and then the fight scene like involving uh, Lupita's character as well as his royal guard. It, it's just it was just it was just well done. And the fact yes. that it looks like Black Panther will have a huge role in Infinity Wars makes me even more hype. So, mm. um, and that's and that's and that's and that's you know and that and, and, you know coupled with, with the fact that I love all those Marvel superheroes anyway. I think it's going to be a kick-ass movie anyway. But to see Black Panther's part in his role in in Infinity Wars. Couple with seeing Captain America in, in the gang again, as well as the the Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, it's gonna yeah. Be April, the last weekend of April can't come here soon enough. But I'll close the show on this. We I've been having talks with like like with some of my homeboys about T'Challa and Killmonger, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> which led to interesting conversations. We send the liking to like like T'Challa to to Dr. King and Killmonger to Malcolm X. Um, let me ask you: Are you Team T'Challa or Team Killmonger? Oh man, that's easy. It's 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 Team Killmonger, man, and it's it's because it's it's we have similar backgrounds, if you will. I mean, first and foremost, yeah, you know, tipping a hat to uh, to Marvel for for having, you know, the movie starting in Oakland, the birthplace of the Black Panthers, who actually got their that name from the, the Marvel comic Black Panther. Yeah. You know, but, yeah. you know, with, 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 with uh, Killmonger being from an urban city like, like Oakland and me being a D.C. native, you know, and, and seeing similar things, even though, of course, in the movie, uh, Killmonger's character is a lot younger than I am, Still seen similar things, mm. man, and and and, and see seeing things where we as African American males have had times of struggle and times of strife, man, and, and and just having to deal with the various things that we as black males have to deal with on a daily basis was something that I could yes. completely relate to, and I understood that. Yeah. Now, but then I completely agree. With his tactics, once he got to Wakanda, nah. I thought a lot of that stuff could have been talked out, man, and that was the thing that bothered me 
was the fact that, you know, a lot of this anger and angst that was built up, and it was a situation that didn't necessarily was a fight of their fight. This was still a continuance of their father's situation where, you know, the, the, the two fathers, the two brothers didn't get along. Well, they had a disagreement about how certain things needed to be done in terms of Wakanda, Wakandans helping out with African-American strife back in the 90s. And, and, and yeah. how the uncle and 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 and, and his want his wanting to 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 have the assistance of Wakanda in, in fighting this the strife that was going on with black males and in, in, in the U.S. in the nineties was something like, like I said before something I can relate to, but there was still a continuance of that beef. So that's why I thought, man, you know, instead of fighting it out, man, and, start, and trying to fight over for power. They could have sat down, but you know, once again, I understand, man. You, you took his father out. Your your pops took his pops out. I'm upset. Yep. And maybe I need to go ahead and do what I've been training to do, to go ahead and resolve this. But not necessarily you taking over the country that way is 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 the way to resolve it. But that's how he was trained, man. So I would say I was I'm team Killmonger up to a point. You know, it could have went ahead and talked that thing through. And that was the other thing, too. It just happened to be that, once again, everyone saw him, regardless of the fact that he was of Wakandan blood, he was still being seen as an outsider. He was an outsider. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and I don't even know if they were going to be willing to debate it through with him because of the way that they saw him as as, as being an outsider. So that's, that's why a, a lot of that stuff, it was it was kind of unsettling, but I get it. I get it. You know, you, it, what, what kind of what kind of movie would it be yeah. if they just sat there and and they talked it through and they talked it out? Now he had to fight it out. Right, he got to. That's the only way we're gonna sit back in the meeting well, and do the movies. They fight it out. Yeah. Well, here's the deal, brother. You know, I I I I too related to Killmonger's struggle. I mean, here's a guy who was left behind by his own uncle. Mm-hmm. To 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 by himself with a with his deceased father, um, to to like to figure out like just to figure out the rest of his life. Now he could have ended up going falling through the cracks, but the man graduated from MIT at the top of his class. He 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 went to he was in special ops. He was in black ops and was mm-hmm. an ABC. He was so self-made. I don't know if that anger drove him, which he probably did. That anger drove it him. It did. You know, because remember at the beginning of the movie where he was at the museum in London where mm-hmm. he started dropping knowledge on that white curator. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and right before she, she was poisoned by him and stuff. But, I mean, the thing is, is he's what he's, I, we could easily see ourselves in control. More so mm-hmm. than T'Challa, because T'Challa was a cat, a cat who at first was, their fight is not our fight. Their problems are not our problems. Yeah. That's why they, he said they chose to hide in plain sight, mm-hmm. because they didn't want to be boiled with the other outside world, and which is what M'Baku had issues with, and which eventually T'Challa came to see was, was a wrong Strategy from previous Black Panthers before him, including his own father, which is why I too am Team Killmonger. I, you know, again, I, I mean, look, 
I'm 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 very petty. I'm very petty. <laughs> <laughs> y'all know that, but I'm very petty, and I'm very much a get even type of guy. And I for an eye for an eye. That's that's how I roll. So, think back to and you know Kim Mong mentioned this, but if you go back in the history, our ancestors were done by you know were, were done in by the Europeans when they came in different in different in different countries in, 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 in the African continent. And took a lot of countries, a lot of countries, and tribes with the resources and everything else. What kind of represented to me what would happen if if we were if, if the continent were not colonized? Yeah, you know they still were able to hold on to their vibranium natural resources, and they, mm-hmm. that led them to become the most technologically advanced country in the world, which they those which the outside world does not really know about. And they prefer yeah. that way. But if you think about it, just like Kimonga said, just like his dad said, played by the great Sterling K. Brown, said that, look, we have all these resources that we could help our own kind. Because if you go back in history, when we were there, we didn't have the resources to come back to Europe to fight back against mm-hmm. the We didn't have that. And we still don't have a lot of resources. We're still economically challenged as a community for the most part. Yeah. Um, so that's why I'm like, you know what? Now look, granted, I would I I wouldn't have killed my own girlfriend because she was cute <laughs> uh, and loyal. I, I did not. I would not. I would not have looked to kill my own relatives, even though they would have been a threat to my phone. I get that. I would not burn all those beautiful purple flowers in that garden. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't have, I, while, I, while I wanted to get revenge, rather, maybe get some revenge, maybe, maybe in, in part of my community, I wouldn't want to kill everybody in the process. So that's just me. That, that, that's just me. And that's what the child was trying to tell him. But, again, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have turned my back on my own just because I didn't want to fight that battle. I, didn't have to, I wouldn't have to stomach to fight those, those battles. So that's why I was team Killmonger more so than T'Challa. But I would say T'Challa is starting to turn a new leaf and say, you know what? We cannot see that stuff before. And remember when he confronted his dad in the, in the insertional plane and yeah. said, why did, you leave our, why did you leave our own flesh and blood behind? You created this monster. <laughs> you created this guy. Mm-hmm. Because he's mad that he's, you treat him like an outsider. And his dad, if you remember earlier in the movie, told him, that they will never accept us. They will never mm-hmm. accept him because he's an outsider. He, he's a, in addition to Wakanda, he also had American blood. They would, they would not accept him, which was too bad. But that was that. Was, I mean, that part was a little sad. <laughs> it did him like that, but it is what it is. But again, again, I still enjoyed the movie. Um, I, I, As did I. I'm hyped to see. I I'm so hyped to see. Um, uh, Infinity Wars, man. So, again, April 3rd or whatever the hell the day is, the last weekend, April, April, April 27th. They can't come here quick enough. Yeah. I'm sorry? I think it's April 27th. Yep, there you go. I'm looking forward to that. It, it was going to be Cinco de Mayo, but I'm glad they moved it up, so I'm, I'm very happy about that. But, uh, damn, I got to slow down. We, we've been talking a long time about Black Panther, but anyway... <laughs> 
probably continue the conversation on Facebook in that thread. So uh, I'll probably, pull, pull, uh, probably put a link to, 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 uh, to this podcast on there and let people pick it apart. So thanks a lot, brother. Be well. No diggity. Thank you. We're kind of forever. Peace. Peace. That's why I got Wayne Nash. Please check him out on um, the Yard HTC Sports uh, blog as well as Police uh, Sports. I think is now from from Tuesdays to Thursdays on um, Blog Talk Radio. I could talk about Blind Pepper forever, man. But you being that, I only have five more minutes. I better wrap it up. So thank y'all for tuning in to the podcast. This is Scott Burke signing off. Oh six. Good night. What kind of forever? <laughs>